Hey man, if you are interested in coming to Colorado for the Husband Material Retreat in September, sign up now because the price is about to go up on Saturday, June 8th. This will be an unforgettable weekend of beauty, brotherhood, fun, friendship, and freedom. You can learn more and sign up now at husbandmaterial.com slash retreat. Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, we have therapist and professor Wendell Moss. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Wendell. Well, thank you, Drew. It's good to be here, man. It's good to be here. Like I told you, I'm still getting used to the professor name, but okay. <laughs> yeah, you teach at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, and you also do a lot of work with the Allender Center. Yeah, um, actually, I just uh, I just finished my first year as a te- uh, as a you know formal instructor at the Seattle School, uh, but my work with the Allender Center I've been there since the its its conception. Um, so uh, I think this year made it 11 years working with the Allen wow. Center. So done for a long time. It is amazing to see the reach and the impact that the Allender Center has had. And on me too, introducing me through Jay Stringer to mm-hmm. getting into stories. And some of the things we're going to be talking about today, we are specifically going to be looking at porn as a type of reenactment. And that's a big word. That's kind of a fancy word. So we're going to look at that. You're going to talk about your story, what it's looked like in your life, and then how Jesus can intervene. So what is reenactment? Yeah, uh, when I think about reenactment, um, it's I think reenacting, and especially at least in the context of trauma, um, it's really is just reacting our, our past events consciously or unconsciously. Um, I think when it comes to reenactment, I, I know we're reenacting our stories. We're reenacting our past. Uh, and, and often reenactment is a sign of undealt with trauma. So that's often how I talk about um, reenactment. And if I can say a few things about Reenactment, and, and there's a, f- a few things. Reenactment, one, reenactment pretty much, it, it, it affirms that we don't deserve goodness. It affirms that we don't deserve care, kindness, honor, or grace. It, 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 it affirms that we're powerless. Um, it, it also, reenactment, it, it, it also, it, it looks to kind of confirm the narrative of, of shame. Um, of contempt, of powerless um, reenactment, it, it never lets us really get to finally being able to grieve or, or have deep sorrow over the over the harm that's been, that's, that's taking place in our lives. It never lets us get there. Um, it just kind of keeps it, we kind of end up just keep spinning, and therefore keeps spinning in a shame and contempt cycle. And then finally, it, it never, uh, reenactment, it never uh, allows us to get to the place of finally to be able to receive from Jesus 
And it never lets us, it never lets us get to the place of receiving Jesus in a way that um that we can get to engage the longing that we have. We don't let it doesn't allow us to, to let Jesus finally eat, enter into our deepest wounds and our deepest places where we need a lot of care um and where we need healing. So does that make sense? Yeah. At the same time, it's counterintuitive. Oh, you better believe it. You <laughs> you better believe it. Because I mean, because because what reenactment also it also exposes your longing. It also exposes your desire. I mean, when we and I think that's why we have to pay attention to re- our reenactment. I think that's why you know, for me, I've had to slow down and see with particularity what my reenactment is, mm-hmm. because my story is wrapped up in my reenactment. Yeah. And this term reenactment, it can be used in different ways. The very, very simplest definition would just be to repeat something, right? Yeah. To kind of over and over and over. Over and over again, dressing it up in a different way. So people do like Civil War reenactments. Exactly. Well said. Right. Where they dress up and they do the battle again, even though it's already over and it happened so many years ago, we're still bringing it back into the present. Yep. 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 And, and, and again, yep. And I love what you just put it. Reenactment is, is clearly, it's, it's, it's literally us reliving our past in the present. Hmm. And and that's exactly what it's doing. So, and so there's some way in which pornography does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll talk about it in the context of, um, especially when it comes to abuse, because um, that's that's my story. Now, uh, and, and I want to be clear: reenactment doesn't always come through you know, pornography. You know, reenactment can come through um, you know different addictions, drug abuse, chemical abuse. I mean, it can, it can come through because um, reenactment can sh- can show up in our relationships. Right, being in a relationship that is horribly unhealthy, and yet it feels familiar. Because yeah. this is the way I used to be treated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can the relationship you had with your mother or with your father. Mm-hmm. How how do how do you bring those dynamics into your marriage? How do you bring those dynamics into? I mean, how have you made your wife your mother? How have you made how have you made your husband your father? I mean, so yeah, um, but. Um, so yes, I think about reenactment. Um, in my context, I'll be talking about mostly in the context of of, of abuse, of sexual abuse. Um, and I, and I think when it comes to pornography, for me, the reenactment was like a big part of my story is that I was a I was a really shameful I was a shameful boy, and. Uh, and, and my story was that it was really important for you to like me. I was, I was a little boy. My nickname was Bam Bam. And uh, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was, I was just a little, I was just a little rascal. <laughs> and, uh, but one thing that was true about me was that I, I, I love to be enjoyed. I loved being liked. Um, and, and pretty much I would, um, I, I, I would read you and I would read you. Um, 
to find out if you were liking me or not, if you were enjoying me. And if I knew if and, and if I knew what it took and what it was that you were enjoying, that's what I would do. And and even a lot of times, even to a fault, I would do whatever it took for you to enjoy me. Which 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 led which leads to my uh, my own abuse story. My my abuser read me really well. My abuser was a, a friend who lived across the street um, from me. And I mean, he taught me and my brother how to how to box. He was the most popular kid in the neighborhood, and um, and so to hang around him, it was a privilege, man. I, I mean, to be around, I mean, it was fun, and I felt safe. I felt safe around him. On a particular day, just hearing him talk about girls, and and when they hearing him talking about what he wanted to do with girls, and so I was intrigued by what he was saying. But but again, he also made me feel really safe, even in the context of talking about it. Um, and he was saying he was talking about it more than my parents ever was, right? And 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 when I think about my my family, my dad, my, my father was my father was was volatile. Um, he was a good he was a good man. I, I mean, from the outside, you were not we were seen as the perfect family. But um, what I knew was. What I knew was when my father was angry, he was scary. And so um, so I would avoid my father when he was angry. And so often, um, my abuser, uh, Bernard, he was a comfort to me. Um, I, felt, I felt safe. He would be somewhere I would even go to. Um, and so uh, eventually when um, he would invite me to... Uh, uh, to lay with him and he would invite me to um, touch him. And, but one of the things he said to me really clearly, because I, I felt, I felt, you know, uh, I felt hesitation and everything. But one day he I remember him saying to me, if you don't do it, we won't be friends. Mm. One of the, I did one thing I just told you was that it was yeah. important for, for me to be liked. And so as soon as he said that, then now, now it's about him liking me. And so I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes for him to like and enjoy me. Cause again, that's my goal. And so, um, and so to, to connect that to my, my, my porn use, um, one of my triggers with porn, um, was often, times where I felt lonely. Those were times where I, I felt, I felt some, I, I felt um, longing for someone to want to be with me, want to, want to see me, um, wanting, desiring tenderness. I mean, my, my abuse was really, really tender. Um, does that make sense? And yes. so, so what I'm hoping I'm doing is I'm linking the, like the triggers, I mean, these are very things that triggered my pornography use. My pornography use was always tied tied to me wanting wanting care, wanting yeah. after, wanting confirmation. Those are my biggest triggers. Your biggest triggers were wanting to be enjoyed. You better believe it. Well said, Drew. Well said. And so, porn gave you a version of that that was also mixed together with something else. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because 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 it's of course in the beginning, it's I mean it even it even shaped the kind of pornography I watched. I mean, you know, particularly for me, I would watch pornography that, that at least had the the picture of tenderness in it. Mm. Uh, it had the picture. I would I would be aware of the faces. I would just be aware of uh, of people receiving pleasure. Mm. The tenderness, like so that so it even shaped the style that I would watch. Um, but like you say, but of course, so but of course it it got to a point where it was never enough. And so I had to look and look and look and look and look and look and look. But of course, afterwards, what I also remember about my story was that um, how much shame I had around my story, around my abuse. Drew, I hated my story. I made a vow that I would never tell my story. I remember all too well. And so I remember the first time I told my story, um, I, I, I don't quite remember what the context was, but what I remember was being overwhelmed with shame. Because when my parents found out about my abuse, my parents shamed me. Mm. It, 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 it was my fault. Mm. Um, and so, so shame was normal. So of course, after pornography, oh man, um, the shame would just rush in. It would just rush in. And so now the problem is now I have shame for my longing. Now I have shame for my ten. Now, now it's, it's taken to the place of dang it, bam, bam. Your abuser, see what your tenderness got you. See what your longing got you. See what your longing. See, see what happened. That's a part you need to annihilate now, hmm. because it was seen and it was used against you. Absolutely, your tenderness mm-hmm. and your good desire to love and be loved to to have your face. Mm-hmm be received and to and to have someone else's face yeah and then have that be coupled and almost welded with shame yes sir yes sir they and i love you i love your work welded they yeah. they, they 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 were connected which is why when i talk about shame i always bring in the the concept of contempt because contempt is going to follow shame um, and so does that make sense? Let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I have in the past thought shame and contempt were kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. So what do you mean by contempt follows the shame? Yeah. Contempt, contempt is often the, the action of playing out your shame. When I think about, when I think about shame, my shame is I, 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 I'm ashamed of, of of being read, I was a sh- I, I'm ashamed of how my tenderness is used. My contempt is now. I now get to, I now get to kind of have this this grit towards my towards towards my tenderness, and so now my goal is that in order for in order for my tenderness to not be used, I'll try to kill it. Mm. So it's gotta be tough. There's this, there's this self-hatred. And so I was a yeah. football. 
I played from I, I played from I started in fourth grade and played through college. And I learned early on just even just what it what it meant to be a man, if you will. And so to be to be tough guy. I knew it well. But internally, what I knew was I never wanted you to see the tender man that I am. I I, I, I never wanted you to know my know my story. And in a sense, what I came to despise Bam Bam. Hmm. This this playful, desiring little boy. And and so and so to to hide all of who he was and just kind of see because of who you were, that's what got you. That's that sense of contempt. Does that make sense? Yeah, so contempt is almost the violence that follows. Well said. Well said. Um, there is there is a sense of violence, and and the, the problem with contempt is contempt. We talk about self contempt that usually comes first, but the problem with self contempt is that it doesn't stay self; it goes other. Mm. Um, because out of my self contempt, my tenderness, now when you come at me with care and with tenderness, first of all. I don't deserve it. So get away from me. I don't deserve your kindness and I don't trust you. And, and so uh, your desire for me, you can just walk away. You can just kind of walk away. Um, but, but if you see, it's all, it's, but see, it's all about me. And I don't feel like I deserve goodness. I don't feel like I deserve anything. And in some ways now, you bring goodness towards me. I'm going to snap at you too. So moving from self-contempt to other centered contempt. Yes. Right. Right. This is just a guess yeah. based on what you've shared about, about football. I'm guessing yeah. you hit people pretty hard. I was a linebacker, baby. I was a middle linebacker. Uh, I started as a fullback. So either way, I'm in, middle, I'm in the mess. I'm hitting folks. Uh, but linebackers, when I uh, you know, play in college, and so uh, yeah, I used to love to hit, baby. I used to love to hit, buddy. And and it maybe gave you an outlet for for some of the aggression and and the anger that it sounds like you were feeling. Yeah, you, you know what, Drew? What's you know, I would say for me, it was. That was true. A lot of it was unconscious. It, I, I, I really didn't realize a lot of that until I dug into my story. But I remember having moments um, as a football player where I knew good and well who I was on the outside was different from the one that was on the inside. I knew that really well. So, and I made sure no one would see it. Yeah. It almost sounds like it was a way for you to be strong and tough. Yes, sir. And no one would suspect that Bam Bam is under you. Better well, you again, Julia couldn't have said it better. Mm. Well said. There was there was a sense of like hide my truth, hide hide my. I don't care if you like me. Exactly. You know what? I, <laughs> I can't tell you how often <laughs> I tried to give that off. And what did I just tell you in the beginning? Being liked was important. But on the, on, the, on the outskirts, I don't give a crap whether you like me or not. But internally, I'm going, oh, man. 
but I know, I, but I know how to squash that. Yeah. And it sounds like into this situation, mm. into this cocktail mix of shame and contempt with also the, the desire that you repress to really be desired. Yeah, uh, yeah. Porn was like a perfect fit. Oh man. Yeah. It was, it was, it, and first of all, porn, porn is relational. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's, there's interaction between men and the screen. Like, and one thing that's also true about pornography is that there's a sense of control. Like my abuse, mm, yeah, that, was, that wasn't. Uh, I mean, I, I was a little boy, and and I didn't have control. But with pornography, in a sense, I can shoot. I, if you will, I can start, stop. I can fast forward. I can rewind. I can. Mm. What the scenes are, there's a sense of I'm controlling this narrative right here. Oh yeah, because porn would always be your friend. Of course, it never it's never going to turn me away. Right, and it gives you exactly what you want. You uh-huh. get to choose. Uh huh. And you can say, "I want you" or "I don't want you." Uh huh. So this is getting at the other big category. Of powerlessness. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and 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 powerlessness. Drew was one of my biggest vows to never be powerless again, because when I that was one of that was one of the things that I had contempt for Bam Bam because there was a sense of powerless. Um, the fact that my abuser read me so well um, that I I, I was. I mean, of course, as a little boy, you, you don't have you don't have the defense defensive structure that you have now as an adult. Um, the, and, and, and one of the dynamics of abuse is in in almost all cases, um, especially if there's a, an age difference. Um, as a young child, you do not have the defense structures against the seduction of an older abuser. Especially you don't especially if they're uh if they're much older. You you don't you don't you don't have the the structures against that kind of sophistication. Um and even someone who's similar in age, it doesn't mean that they're the same level of sophistication. My abuser was maybe six years older, I was maybe five, I was about five or six. Mine was just hitting puberty, but it was very sophisticated. He knew a lot. So, so power, so feeling powerless, oh man. But, but my vow was that I would never feel that powerless again. And so hence the machismo. Mm. Uh, so hence, hence, hence the, the hyper-masculine. And I will not feel powerless again. But true, what was internal was that that was the very thing I was battling feeling internally is I felt powerless. You felt powerless. And if you're ever going to get any slice of tenderness, oh. then it it needs to be overpowered and laden with shame and contempt. Well said. Well said. Essentially, to be tender, to allow my tenderness is to, again, I, I, I connected the tenderness meant weakness. Mm. Yeah. Tenderness meant it meant, it meant it meant to be powerless. It meant to be bad, mm, man. Yeah. And so, no, I will not. I will not be that again. 
And then, again, do, do, and do, do you hear the vowel? And, and yet, yeah. do you hear pornography is exposing the vowel? Pornography, mm-hmm. the pornography is telling the story. The pornography is still going, oh, what are you looking at again? You're looking at tender faces. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're, you're still, huh? Because the problem is you're not been as successful as you think you are at killing your desire, at killing your longing. Yeah. I mean, you're not successful. And so when I would realize that, what do you do? I, I re-up or, or, or I try to double down and become tougher. Sense. Again, move, move away from powerless. But the problem is I'm powerless against pon- their pornography. <laughs> <laughs> so we still have a problem. So that's what we're talking about with reenactment. It's recreating the shame and the contempt and the powerlessness. All over again. It's putting you back in a place where there's a tender face and where you actually know that this God who is your father uh-huh. is going to throw judgment at you oh. as a result. Oh, oh man. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, at the depth of at the depth of my addiction, um, I literally remember um coming to a place where I was just miserable because in when it came to my addiction and as it progressed um the thought of God I mean literally I after a while I stopped praying mm-hmm. because I literally had this picture that every time I prayed that God was like literally like covering his ears mm-hmm. like like I was just not hearing so I literally stopped I literally stopped praying and and it wasn't until I uh, I I was introduced to this guy who who did ministry around porn addiction and sexual brokenness and I remember I remember uh, a friend of mine taught me to call him so I called him and now this is now a lot of this is I'm in campus ministry so I'm I'm in ministry during a lot of some of my addiction man I love Jesus. I don't hate God. I, I love Jesus. The scriptures are in me. And yet something else is at play. Yeah. And so I remember calling this uh, guy we met and we talked for about an hour. But it was fine. In the last 20 minutes, I said, you know what? I'm actually calling you. I'm actually called you to meet because I need some help. And he says to me, I've been waiting for you to tell me why you really wanted to meet. Wow. And Drew, I could have just, I, I, I was frozen when he said it because he read me. And he goes, I, I saw in your face you wanted help. Dang it. You read me again. <laughs> and, and I knew internally, I know God don't do this. Because God, I know, I know. And so eventually he set me up with, um, this guy uh, who, who's kind of a, a lay counselor at the church. And I remember the first time I sat with him, I told my story. And when I got to the end of my story, he goes, Wendell, thank you so much. And Drew and I looked at him and I said, I, I, I said, so what are you thanking me for? Don't thank me. What are, you, what are you thanking me for? Did you not hear what I said? Did you not, did you not hear what I told you I've, I've been, what I've been doing? And, it, and so I'm kind of, I'm irritated. And he goes, I heard you. 
And I said, well, don't thank me and don't act like you're not disappointed in me. I admit it, I was mad. I am not embellishing at all. I said, his name was Fred. I said, and I, and I said, don't, don't act like you hear what I just told you. I'm mad at me and I know you have to be. And so, and so I literally said, I'm going to repeat it. Drew, I went on to repeat the story again to make sure he got it. Because in my mind, remember that contempt thing? He was supposed to join me in my, in my contempt. He was supposed to join me on that, on that. And so when he didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. And so I remember when I finished again, I said, I literally, now, you got to be disappointed now. And, and he goes, no, thank you again. <laughs> I wasn't, and I, and I said, and I literally, I said, don't you damn sit there and act like I deserve your care and your grace. Don't do that. And he sat up almost and kind of mirrored my volume. And he goes, why the hell not? Part of me thought, well, first of all, did he just yell at me? <laughs> and um, and I remember him, but I what hit me right after that was I think this was a spirit, like I think I'm being fought for. He's fighting me, but he's fighting for me. And it was at that point in the moment, he goes, he, he, we talked for a second and then he goes, I have a feeling that you, I wonder if there's some things you want to say to Jesus. And then I, that's when I proceeded to tell him, I don't talk to Jesus anymore. I don't think he hears me. He covers his ears when I talk. And that was supposed to be his invitation to move on. Well, Drew, he decides, he's, he sits back and he goes, I'm going to give you a second. I'm just going to sit here. And I'm going, what in the heck are you doing? So I sat there and he sat there. <laughs> and I remember hearing, wow. So I was reading my tears. Uh, I remember just feel like I heard a spirit say, it's good to see you, son. Drew, I oh, I lost it. And I don't even remember what I prayed. Mm. But I remember I just started talking and I was for like five minutes straight. And, and again, Drew, I don't even remember what I prayed. But to hear the Spirit say, like, it's so good to see you, son. Yeah. <laughs> And my thought was, you're not even paying attention to me, that you're covering your ears. I it it broke me. It just broke me. Mm. And and it, and, I, and it reminds me of the Romans two four passage. Uh, does not the kindness of God lead one to lead you to repentance? And at that point in moment, what hit me was. God wasn't beating me up. He wasn't beating me up to knock me down to my knees. He had a different weapon. His kindness was fierce. 
And his, it was his kindness that took me out. I know beating. I've done it to myself. I know, fine. I know that. I know that. But your kindness, I was not ready for. The shame and contempt was so well rehearsed. Shame and contempt. Oh my gosh. And, and that's why I feel like Jesus went at. When he said, it's good to see you, son. He took a dagger. To the shame and contempt. In such a surprising. Oh gosh. <laughs> my word. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Because I, I, I wasn't ready for it. And I remember looking. I remember opening my eyes and looking at the, my guy, Fred, who was looking across, looking across, sitting across from me, and he's smiling. And he's got a tear going on his face. That was even worse. Oh. So he is in tears. And I'm going, now I'm having to bear his kindness and I'm going to bear his tears and his tears are for me. Oh my word. It's too much. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is, and and, and again, the the very things that I'm describing to you, like this is what reenactment won't let you get to because Mm. to get there, to even see his tears and to hear and here it's so good to see you son that actually allowed me to begin find the process of grieving over my story that actually took me face to face with bam bam wow and, and in a sense really feel jesus invite me back to how much to my contempt to my shame wow So what I'm hearing you say is that reenactment pushes pause on our story. Um, Well, not just push pause. It it, it confirms it over and over. Mm -hmm. it, 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 It deepens the wound. So it's almost like ripping the film strip and then just the same 30 seconds. Oh, same. Oh, same. Same thirty seconds again. Reenactment is the reenactment. It seeks to confirm how create how bad you are. Yeah. It confirms it. Remember, that's when I was sitting with with when that guy was sitting across from me, and he had audacity to try to uh, love on me after I told a story. You see what I was trying to make him do? No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Stop. You don't. You, you don't. You don't bring grace to my story. No way, no way. Rin Ackman had had confirmed how bad and how how much shame and contempt I deserve over and over and over. So when so when goodness came, ah. this is so important for everyone to hear right now. If you're continuing to struggle with porn, it's not because you love yourself too much. <laughs> it's not because you have such a proud view of yourself that you think I can do anything I want. I'm going to have porn. Oh, no. There, there is something within you 
that actually is attached and welded to what happened to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And repeating that. Yeah. Over and over and over. And and again, and this is where I, this is why I love, this is why I love Jay's work. Um, and, And that is to finally, I mean, to finally listen, listen to what's happening. Right. Listen to, I mean, for me, I mean, for me to finally, you know, connect my porn addiction, you know, and I didn't have Jay's words, you know, this was before Jay, but there was that sense of even, even your desire comes through Yeah, in your addiction. Even it's your- so amazing how even within our sexual fantasies, the image of God is still there. Cannot avoid it at all. Yeah. You cannot avoid it. And this man who sat with you oh. saw it. He saw it even through the tough exterior. He saw your tenderness. He did. Oh, he did. <laughs> and he pursued it. <laughs> he man. hunted you down, man. It. He did. He did, he did, he did. And I tell you, when we left, I cried almost all evening. Because, and and not not just because that I, uh, of God saying to me, uh, it was good to see you, son, but to have a face, a physical face that has tears, that has a voice, like, with me. So I, that was something that re- I felt yeah. reflective of Jesus. Yes, it was reflective of Jesus. And it was the reality that your fantasy was an illusion of, right? The tender face. Uh-huh. Here we are again, a tender face. And now, I mean, and now he, I love the way you put it. Now, here this tender face is. And now that there's been a break in the reenactment. Now I can actually receive his tender face. Mm, come on. Now, come I, on. because I'm looking at him and, and I'm literally going, even, even though there's a still this part, I'm still being healed. So there's this part that wants to push his face away. But now I got to acknowledge that. Oh my gosh. That is, he likes me. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. He likes me. <laughs> True. Wow. Uh, he's he he he's fighting for me uh, again, and 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 I'm and I remember Bam Bam was so awake. Wow. And it was the first time like I that was the first time I really began to get a taste of beginning to honor that little tender boy and not hate him. Wow. You begin to bless Bam Bam. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm in grad school at this point. So I'm also listening. I'm actually also reading Healing the Wounded Heart. I'm in, I'm listening to Dan. So I'm getting double down. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about some different people here. Jay Stringer, Dan Allender. Oh man. And I think I'm in I think I'm in a few classes with Jay, I believe. <laughs> so so to be lavished with God's grace, 
um, that I just didn't know what to do with it again. That, that Romans for that that passage it's not the kindness of God leads to repentance. Um, that has become like a hallmark passage for me because God's kindness is vicious. Yeah. It's not petty. It's not petty. Cake, <laughs> you hear me? It's not petty. Cake. It's fierce. And, and it meets us where we are. Well, um, specifically God's kindness met you first through saying, thank you for your story. No, really, really, thank you for your story. And then when you powered up and you showed up, he, he said, why the hell not? <laughs> Fierce kindness, unrelenting, aggressive grace. He confronted you with your goodness. Put it right in front of me. He put it right in front of me. And that goodness um, is actually part of how God made you. I feel like in some of our narratives that we tell ourselves, good, goodness within my own heart is an afterthought. Yeah. It's a gospel of just sin and grace. Well, what is sin destroying? What is it corrupting? If not your goodness and your blessing and the image of God. And, and so I just love how he's restoring that image. He's recovering that image in your face, in your body, in this moment. Um, and the truth of scripture is now being experienced, right? That's the thing. You knew that verse. Yeah. I told, I, I, I totally, I totally knew the verse. Right, and I probably, I probably have, I, pro- I probably had the audacity to probably haven't even preached that verse. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> and now you experienced it. And there's another verse you told me about uh, that we should definitely address: James chapter five, verse sixteen. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, again, one of the one of the biggest pieces for me was uh, uh, allowing people to see my true face allowing allowing people to to see beyond the exterior you know the football player the the jock the the machismo uh and 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 come, and come to see me as a man who's really really broken and a man who as a man who struggles with sin um and so I, that James five sixteen passage, you know, confess your sins. Like in my mind, that passage is supposed to say, confess your sins to God so that you may be healed. That's what it's supposed yeah. to say. Right. That's what we think to ourselves. <laughs> right. And, and yet, and yet it's a very relational call. That passage yeah. in relationship, that passage says, instead, confess your sins to one to another so that you may be healed, which means problem, others have to be involved in my healing process. Mm. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Really? Can we just take out that one another part? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I, I, again, that passage is an invitation to grapple with your shame. 
That passage is the invitation to grapple with your contempt. Yes. I mean, that 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 guy who sat in front of me was that being lived out. I mean, I was telling my story. It, it wasn't a confession that I was doing, but I was telling him my story. And oh my God, was that not the beginning of a healing process for me? Mm-hmm. That was that was that was that passage live, being lived out. Yeah. To see his face and his tears for me. They were healing tears. Oh my gosh. And 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 so th- that James 5:16 passage, it just underscores that. Healing again. Most of our brokenness is a very, you know, popular saying, but our, our our brokenness happened in relationship, and it will heal through relationship. God made us relational beings. God yes. didn't create us to be islands. We must have community. Yeah. I I I said to the guy who sits who sits with me, who sat with me. I, it's probably been a, a little bit, but we've kept up to oh, touch over the years. We still talk. And he loves to ask Wendy, how you doing? I still see his face. How you doing? What's been happening? What is God calling you to? That's the kind of that's how he talks to me. And so there's this reminder of, oh my goodness. Like you're still a you're still a face of healing to me. You're still a face wow. of to me. You still like me. Totally, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and 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 what's so true is again my true longing is when I look at James five sixteen, yeah, there is something about being able to receive God's grace, and and again to see a face, arms, eyes that reflect the love and the compassion and care of Jesus, mm-hmm. and and to have those people in your life who are going to invite you to the throne when you screw up and even go there with you. Yeah. Who will fight for you. Fight for you. And won't even wait for you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And just hold space so the Holy Spirit can come and say, it's good to see you, son. Yeah, right. Woo! Yeah. I just love that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, I tell you, I mean, and to ha- and to have for, and to have people in our lives that 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 again, because there's so many times Drew where I've had to have this have that sung back to me again and again and again. Where I wanted to revert back to mm-hmm. the shame and the contempt. It, it was it wasn't that I never struggled with it again. Um. But but to have somebody come and say, okay, you need to be reminded again. Let me remind you. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So community, mm-hmm. I, again, at James 5, 16, on yeah. me. So moments like these, relationships yeah. like this, mm-hmm. communities built around mm-hmm. kindness. Yeah. And confession and prayer and healing. Yes. These are interruptions oh. to the reenactment. Oh, you better you better believe it. Uh, again, because those relationships and those words actually helped me what I said earlier. It actually lets me get to the grief. 
it took it took it took key folks in my life, including that Dan, to help me to finally weep on behalf of Batman. Mm. To finally weep and even have me say, "You're a good kid. Mm-hmm. You were a good kid. You were a good. You were a good little boy." And it was red. It was misused, but you were a good, tender little boy. I'm just pausing to receive that for myself. Yeah. May those words find a place in our hearts. And, And there is a part of us that wants to resist that voice. Yeah, yeah. That has all kinds of reasons why that's not true for me. Maybe it was for Wendell, but not for me. Yes, sir. Well said. And so I just want to welcome that part and just become aware of it right now. And and let's begin to talk about next steps because someone else might think, well, Wendell had this great experience with a therapist and people have a few different options. Mm -hmm. And Wendell, you have been available at least for part of your time to help people work through these things. We have coaches here at husband material that can help you in your local area. There might be a mental health professional or a therapist, but what we are really passionate about is actually creating these spaces. Yes. And what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think my heart has always been, I mean, I've always loved men's groups. I love to, I love when men or able to find um, and create spaces. Um, I know, I know men. I know men who, who have they've they decided to uh, read a book like Healing the Wounded Heart together. Mm-hmm. Um, they've decided to read, uh, you know, to be told. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I know materials like I know, uh, you know, so like Pure Desire. Yeah, um, Ted Robinson material. I mean, there's just just a flood of material, but I but I think the goal is uh, that it's important to be able for folks to be able to have spaces to where they can engage yeah. the story and have join them. Yeah, what you thinking? So you could take one of these books, and I'll have all the links in the show notes for healing the wounded heart to be told. There's another book that you love called The Cure and Pure mm-hmm. Desire and. Some of these are great small group resources. My book, Redeemed Sexuality, is another one. Yes. We can start mm-hmm. in our local spaces yeah. at our churches and just start a story group. Yes. Love them. Yeah, I, I think. And, and, and the thing is, start small. It's okay. If you, yeah. if it feels like only two guys are interested, because let's be really, let's be really clear. This area is still very shameful for me. Yes. But most men are not going to quickly jump at it. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this ministry for a long time. And sometimes this ministry feels like you're pulling teeth. But but because there's so much shame, because the men are doing the same thing I was doing. Mm-hmm. I got it. Uh, but And the enemy is very happy to keep it that way. Yes. But to even have two people or even just three because one thing I do know is that you let someone get a whiff of a safe space. 
it's like, oh my gosh, you guys are talking about one? Can I put you to the side? Yeah. Can, I, can, I, can I come? So, so again, may, may small be okay. Yes. And, and, and I hope, and I hope that you will be talking to your pastors because I believe that this is work with your pastors. I hope your pastors are blessing, blessing that space. Because one thing I know about churches, if the pastor blesses those kind of spaces, then men, men will feel the freedom to talk about the, their need for those kind of spaces. So, yes. pastor, oh my goodness, will you please bless these kinds of spaces? Because the men will need you to bless them. Yeah, we need that permission, that approval and affirmation. So, yeah. to sum it all up, yeah, it's okay to start small. Started small for you. <laughs> started small for me in a group led by college freshmen and sophomores who didn't know what they were doing. But when I told my story, they accepted me and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it doesn't take a therapist. You don't have to have a therapist. It doesn't take a therapist to, right. to, to do this work. Right. It it takes. Do you hold? Do you hold the Imago Day? Mm-hmm. The God. Yes. Do are you able to sit and listen and hear, while at the same time be able to uh, also be heard? Are you able to enter with curiosity, compassion, and courage? Yes. Yes. Let's. This doesn't take this doesn't take a a master's degree or PhD to 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 be kind. The guy I told you about, I don't even know if he he, this man is was sixty something years old, and I don't know if he even has a college degree. Wow, that's that's kind of a good paradigm shift because I was picturing this person with all kinds of accolades in my head. He's not a therapist. He does ministry at a church. He was a small group leader. Not a degree to his name. If you're hearing this and you're wondering, can I really help someone heal? Am I really qualified for this? What if I'm still struggling? Mm. What would you say to that person? You know, um, what I would say to you is if you're still struggling, May you allow others to join you in your struggle. Mm-hmm. No one is saying that you come into this healed. I'm still healing. And, and so if there's a sense that, uh, that I'm, because I'm still wrestling with fantasy I, and, and that, disqualif- that disqualifies me. No, I actually want to see that qualifies you. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that, amazes me to this day that God would even choose to use this, the, what I have seen as what I've thought of as my darkest secrets and dark, darkest parts that God has wasted nothing. And so for those of you who feel like um, I, I'm still in it. Amen. <laughs> amen. Go and let some other people join you, gather them, Mm-hmm. So that you can be with them and they can be with you. So perfectly said. That's the body of Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wendell, thank you so much for being with us today. 
Oh, you're welcome. I'll put links so people can contact you in the show notes. And before we say goodbye, what is your favorite thing about freedom from pornography? Ooh, you know what? Um, my favorite thing, my freedom from, from pornography is that I can live out who I am, bam, bam, and all with freedom and without shame. That's Praise God. That's it. Yep. I get to be here and in all the tender man that I am, I can be here with you. Mm. And um and I can sit here and 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 say there there is hope. Not always easy, but I get to I get to I get to take a swing continually at evil. That's what I get to do. <laughs> yeah, you get to hit evil hard. I, 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 I get, I get to, I get to swing at the thief that's talked about in John ten ten. I have this image of you as a linebacker, both fighting evil and embracing men. I'm a hugger, buddy. You come near me, watch out. All right. I love, I love on you. Well, I'm giving you a virtual air hug right now. Big hug to you, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, Wendell. Thank you, Drew. And for everyone else out there, always remember that the voice of God is full of kindness, that he is happy to see you, that you are his son, and in you he's well-pleased. Mm-hmm.